Rodney Jane here. At Bob Jane T-Marts, we have hot deals for every budget. Buy three and you get the fourth tyre absolutely free on Bridgestone, Yokohama, Goodyear and J-Trax. And up to $150 instant cashback on Continental, Pirelli, Dunlop and the legendary Bob Jane All-Rounder. Plus check out our hot deals on Beef Goodrich All-Terrain Co. 2s from only $249, all with our best tyre price guarantee. We'll look after you. Tastes apply. This is Parked Up Plus, the place of pace for motor racing news thanks to Race Fuels. From supercars to club racing, Race Fuels keeps Australian motorsport moving, supplying premium products when and where racers need it. And fueling the latest news and views is Parked Up Plus. Coming up, Bathurst 1000 debrief. V8 Tech Boss slams Gen 3 doubters. Next year's supercars calendar is very close. Walkinshaw, all set for defection to Ford. And Formula One in uproar again. All this and more straight ahead on Parked Up Plus with Mark Fogarty. Hi there, race fans. Chaos, carnage and history. The Repco Bathurst 1000 had it all as usual. It wasn't, in the end, the wettest 1000. The race run mostly in dry, if still slippery conditions after days of rain. Shane Van Gisbergen and Garth Tander scored their second Peter Brock Trophy Triumph and GT's fifth great race victory. Tander is now a Bathurst 1000 legend, while SVG adds Holden's last win at the mountain to his growing legacy of supercar supremacy. Their Triple Eight Commodore held off the late-charging WAU Holden of last year's winner Chaz Mostert and new co-driver Fabian Colthard, Paul winner Cam Waters and James Moffat were third, close, but again, not close enough in their Tickford Mustang. They all recovered from early dramas to finish on the podium. Plenty of history was made amid crashes that triggered eight safety cars. Holden won an emotional final appearance in the Bathurst 1000, while Van Gisbergen set a new season record of 19 race wins. He didn't quite clinch his third supercars crown, but with just two rounds to go, the Gold Coast 500 at the end of the month and the Adelaide 500 in early December, he has an effectively unassailable lead of 567 points over Waters. With just 600 points up for grabs, SVG will likely seal it on the streets of Surface Paradise. He was unusually animated in the post-race Repco Bathurst 1000 media conference, telling moderator Chad Nalon what the win meant. Epic day, and and you know to compare to 2020, like it's another another farewell to Holden, but also to have the fans here and to share it with them. And this week, it, I learned a lot how much the brand means to people, and um, to represent it like we do, and. You know, it's a privilege to add to the tally of Holden wins, Holden wins, and um, yeah, it's hard to put into words, but it's pretty cool. It was also emotional for Garth Tander, who admitted that watching the final 15 laps after the last safety car restart was agony. Yeah, oh, look, I, it's funny, Jamie came over with about 10 to go, and he goes, geez, this being out of the car and watching other people do it sucks, and... Um, 
He's right. It does. It does suck. But, um, you know, having Shane in the car at the end of the race and watching the three guys go at it, Chaz and Cam, and Brody as well, going at it like they did after that last safety car restart, it's just, it's mega to watch. So, um, yeah, I sort of, you go a bit race fan and just enjoy the show, but then you realise you've got a fair bit of investment in the result as well. So, Chaz threw everything at him in those last four or five laps and... Um, yeah, I didn't know how it was going to play out, so uh, that's as nervous as I've been outside of a race car ever, I reckon. Van Gisbergen was very much worse for wear on Monday morning after an obviously big night of celebration. He left most of the talking in the round of breakfast TV interviews to GT, who obviously hadn't celebrated quite so enthusiastically. It was a big weekend for Gen 3, with the new Look Ford Mustang racer making its global debut. Amid rumblings about delays and cost overruns, Supercar's head of motorsport, Adrian Burgess, hit out at Gen 3 critics. Burgess is especially annoyed by suggestions a race-ready 2023 Mustang or Chevrolet Camaro will cost $850,000. In a slightly tense exchange with Parked Up Plus, he flatly rejected that the new cars would cost more to build. If people are willing to spend 850000 for one, I'll gladly sell you one. Yeah, and I'll put the balance, which will be considerable, in my own bank account. So those numbers are, you know, I'm not going to... I'll let you guys pick the words you want to use, but they're crap. It's nowhere near that. You know, if I compare it to a current car, I'd be very happy buying a Gen 3 car compared to a current price for a current car. So, that it, obviously, is it as we had liked two years ago? No, it's not, but life was very different. And it was very different when we set out on this program, but it's certainly nowhere near, it's nowhere near those numbers. So when I hear all those numbers, it really winds me up, pisses me off, and my team off, and the two homologation teams, and all the people who are in this process of building this car. Because it's, you know, it's, it's inaccurate, and um, it's, it's not worth even talking about, to be honest. Nowhere near that number. Okay, and just to re-emphasise that it may be a bit over budget, but not as much as people are suggesting. But no, the, don't roll your eyes at me. No, I am. <laughs> it pisses me off. Yeah, well, I'd it may do, if I had if I had money in the bank, it'd be cheaper for me to go and buy this than the current car. Burgess is adamant that while not as cheap as planned, the Gen 3 Camaro and Mustang will cost much less to run. I think it will come out cheaper to buy in the first instance and it will definitely come out cheaper to run in the long term. But again, we haven't raced them, we haven't, you know, when we go testing, we're not rubbing panels, we're not driving into each other as the drivers will do. So how it responds to, you know, wheel-to-wheel -wheel contact, how the repair bills when we actually crash them, they're a little bit unknown. We've put a lot of work and time and effort into it, but the consumable parts of the car we hope are cheaper in the long run than the consumable parts of a current car. But you know, there's been the doubters, there's been the naysayers. It's been, this is a long program and it's it's infinitely bigger than the gen, the cough car. I mean, the, uh, the cough car, we remember it had a carryover engine, it had a carryover body kit. It was a new chassis, it was a new rear end. This is, everything is new from the ground up. But bang for your buck, I, think, I believe what the teams are going to get, they're going to get a very good race car, very, very good race car that was going to serve us as a series and the manufacturers very well and for a long period of time to come so is it as it is it worth the investment 100 percent but this is this is our future we're looking at and i think it's a bright future
Burgess emphasises that Gen 3 is on track to achieve the targets of being cheaper to run and repair. It's always a target and better racing. It's not about that. Equally, you know, we're entertainment. It's about racing. It's about better racing. And it's about every single team having a ticket to, to win that race. At the moment, you know, there's a lot of... Some teams are doing a very good job than others. There's, there's better... Well, there's, there's more resources and more engineering in teams. Next year, when you've got the guy on pole and the guy who's last on the grid, they'll all be able to look at each other knowing they've got the same equipment. So it will level the playing field for me in a technical sense. You won't, you won't have teams going off and redesigning, you know, uprights, wishbones, geometry, all these things that we've had in the past, all that is now gone. So everyone's going to have exactly the same toolbox to use from the bloke who's on pole to the bloke who's 25th. He added that the unveiling of the updated Mustang at Mount Panorama was a big milestone for Gen 3. Yeah, it's a huge moment. We've known, obviously, for a long time there was going to be a model change in the middle of the program. Uh, it wasn't something that was spoken about openly because, you know, we just want to get down and get on with our job. But it's great to finally have uh, have the car here. It's awesome. You know, it's fitting to have it here this weekend. We've now finally got our two cars. Uh, track testing has been going great with, with both. We've got our VCATs planned. We're into production with, uh, you know, to build 25 cars. Everything's on track. It's it's exciting. It'll be great to roll this out. And it, it's especially nice to see my old mate Dick uh, drive it for the first time. That'll be, uh, it's, a, it's a great moment, especially for the Ford fans. Okay, so now we've got the Mustang shape for Gen 3 locked in. You mentioned VCAT. What's the plan, when and where? So we'll, we'll, the plan at the moment, and we're on track to do it, will be early November. We'll, we'll get through Gold Coast, and then we obviously, you know, we've got that decent gap in November, so we've got five days uh, locked in at the moment. Um, everything's on track to do that, so that's, that's the plan. We don't see, you know, in CFD, which a lot of our work is done in CFD, we already feel we've got them extremely close to each other. As you know, we did a mini VCAT uh, earlier in the year, and uh, the then 550... Uh, numbers were exactly what we were predicting and what we saw in CFD so we're comfortable we've done all the work we can ahead of VCAT now we just need to get get, get, get on and do the real test. Mm -hmm. Well of course the Gen 3 version of the latest Mustang its revised body shape was designed around the parameters the rules the CFD so you're pretty confident that when it goes head to head in the VCAT against the existing Camaro there'll be aerodynamic parity. Well, we've got we've got so-called aerodynamic parity in CFD, and we've equally got a toolbox of parts. You know, wingspan, height, uh, forward, backwards, gurneys, different uh, parts for the front of the car. We've got we've got a whole suite of tools available to do that fine tune between the two cars when we've got them on the runway together. So, yep, we're we're confident in our process. I believe we've had good, very good aero parity since we did the last VCAT with the current car. Um, you're always fine-tuning these processes, so there's a few little small detail changes within the process, so just to make it more robust and more um, reliable. But yeah, we believe we're in a we're in a good position. Um, but the proof will be in the pudding when we go racing next year. Supercar Supremo Shane Howard echoed his racing lieutenant's optimism. It is real and it's beautiful. And this this has been a hell of a project. Um, 
probably the biggest engineering project that supercars ever undertaken. There's so much more in this car than even the cough car. It's taken it to another level. It, the, you know, when you look at the Mustang, the road car, it's a, it's a beautiful ro uh, road car, you know, number one selling sports car in the world. But th this is in a race car form is absolutely stunning. It, it just looks incredible. So, yeah, I think it's going to resonate with the fans. So obviously, uh, you know, uh, new new power plant as well. So that's exciting and you know, sounds beautiful. So the whole package uh, is is it's just um, you know it's stunning. Can't wait to get it on the circuit. Can't wait for the fans to see 25 of these roll out at Newcastle. It really, as you said, it makes it it's real. It's happening. The teams are working frantically uh, to to you know to to bolt them together. Um, it's been two years in the making. Um, so it, it's uh, yeah, we we couldn't be happier, right, to see the results of it. To be honest, Gen Three, though, it's still a big job ahead, isn't it? It's uh, it's going to be close getting them to the to the grid at Newcastle. Yeah, absolutely. It, it is a big job, and there's still a lot for the teams to do, and they're still, you know, in the heat of battle in a in a competition. Um, but um, you know, I think we you know we work with the teams there. I think we're all good now with the, with with the, the supply chain is always the concern, but you know, uh, Adrian his team are, are working constantly on that, and uh, they're confident that um, we, we'll all be okay and the teams will get a, get the cars together. Well, there's, yeah, there's no stopping it now. Howard also revealed the state of play with finalising the 2023 Supercars calendar, now set to be announced before the Gold Coast 500. He had hoped to announce next year's schedule in the lead-up to the Bathurst 1000, but there have been a couple of hold-ups. Yeah, I'm, you know, my my ambition was to you know release the calendar on the lead into Bathurst and get back to those traditional timeframes. Um, look, to be honest, we were thrown a bit of a uh, curveball with Pukekohe, um, and uh, you know with that announcement that it was the final race there. So we're we're working with the New Zealand government, um, you know, with Major Events New Zealand and Auckland Unlimited. Um, everybody wants. Uh, you know, New Zealand to be on the calendar. It's just the time frame of process and, and working through that because, you know, we it was you know these things take time, and uh, and you've got to go through full government process. So we're working with them. We would love to uh, have the calendar finalised. We're very close, um, and uh, but yeah, it won't be uh, it won't be this week. So as I understand it, it's as you suggested, just a couple of sticking points, maybe. A a couple of events that just need to, well, essentially to get signed off with uh, respective governments. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's quite a process um, working it through with, you know, because we race in every state and and uh, the Northern Territory. So you're working with all their level of governments, all their tourism departments, um, making sure that and, and broadcasters in regard to conflicts and things and when these events are placed, obviously weather patterns and uh, etc. So. Um, it's it's like playing three-dimensional chess. Um, you know, normally we get up to about version 24 um, <laughs> before we get it nailed. But yeah, it, we're not far away from it. Yeah. And is there still any debate about the number of rounds? You know, we've heard talk about 12 or maybe 13, but that 12 is the preference. 
Yeah, 12 is our base. Um, but you know, we're, we're always looking at the options that are available to us. So when can we now expect the calendar for next year, do you think, before Gold Coast? Oh yes, I'd like to think before the Gold Coast, yes. More after this short break. The Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast, it's all in the name, it's all motorsport. Focused on those who make significant contributions to the sport we love. Correct. Some people might only see a dozen motor racing events each year, but the truth is that our sport never stops. Almost every weekend there's a car race going on somewhere. And Gaz, you're at most of them. Ah, yes, and if I'm not there, you certainly are. And you'll hear from us on the Napa Auto Parts Grassroots Racing Podcast every fortnight. You're listening to Parked Up Plus. Welcome back. It was the last Bathurst 1000 for Walkinshaw and Dretty United as a Holden team. Formerly the long-time Holden racing team, WAU is, of course, switching to Ford Mustangs next year. Team owner Zach Brown, who's, of course, also boss of the McLaren Formula One team, bypassed the Japanese Grand Prix to be at Bathurst. Brown is looking forward to WAU's change from red to blue. Yeah, I mean, Holden's an awesome uh, racing company, and as is Ford, so we're going from one great company to another great company. And um, Jim Farley is, uh, is, a, is a good friend, and, and Mark Rushbrook, and they're, they're massive uh, fans of motor racing. So I think uh, the car looks awesome. So I'm excited for supercars, the, the sport itself, and it's going to be a new chapter for us, and uh, I'm sure we're going to win races together. Like McLaren in Formula One, Zach is also expecting WAU to become a more consistent contender in 2023. I think we have been making steps forward, but we kind of need to make that final step forward and become a, a championship contender, right? Because we've been winning winning races, just not enough, uh, not enough. And I think we need to have some more consistency. Um, when Ryan asked me to get involved with the team, you know, I've been a fan of the Walkinshaw brand my entire uh, life. I've got uh, one of his father's uh, race cars, the Jaguar MC GTV car, which is stunning. And then Michael's a great friend and also a guy I, I grew up um, watching race. So to kind of be partners with the Walkinshaw and Andretti uh, is a privilege for, for United and my partner Richard Dean. And uh, we're having a lot of fun and, and Bruce has done a fantastic job as, as team principal and, and Carl. So I think we've got all the ingredients here. Um, we need a little bit of lady luck, but we also need to create that luck. Fellow co-owner Ryan Walkinshaw reports that the team's big change from Holden to Ford is progressing well. I mean, you're always uh, a little bit frustrated when you're not in charge of a program. So, you know, you're always, you know, at the, you're always a slave to the, the teams, the homologation teams and supercars that are doing a lot of the, a lot of the legwork in it. Um, but, you know, so far we're getting there. The last few months, I think it's been a big improvement on, uh, on, on getting uh, information from supercars so we can start developing parts and start building uh, parts of the chassis. So that's, uh, that's promising. Here the engine work is going really, really well as well, which is encouraging. And uh, the parity in the engines is looking really, really good as well, which is um, a really important critical step for this category. We've got to make sure we have engine parity, especially with such dissimilar engines in a lot of ways. Um, and uh, you know, we've been working really, really closely with Ford. Um, it's been a great relationship and they've been fantastic. They've, uh, 
they've so far really ex uh, exceeded our expectations on uh, on the on the partnership even before we're you know fully in bed together. So um, really really excited for the future on that front. Walkinshaw says the switch to Ford won't be more lucrative, but he still thinks Gen Three could attract new manufacturers. Um, I think our commercial appeal uh, comes more from winning races than from uh, changing brands. To be honest, uh, our sponsors are, are locked in and comfortable with us. Um, you know, we're one of the better-funded teams in supercars. I think we're definitely in the, in the top three, um, along with DJR and, and Triple Eight, which is which is good. So, um, I don't think that's going to really impact us. Um, I think more the, the interesting thing will happen with Gen Three is, you know, does it result in being able to attract more manufacturers in the category? It's obviously a key focus uh, of the uh, the new owners at race uh, to attract more manufacturers into the category. A lot of the focus into the development of Gen Three has been around making the barriers to entry easier for manufacturers. And uh, as I say, the proof will be in the pudding whether that happens or not. But that's the ambition. Will it? I mean, you were in dialogue with lots of manufacturers in the course of your business. Yep. Is it going to attract? at least another manufacturer? I don't know. I mean, uh, it's, I, I, I I'm, haven't spoken to any manufacturers since the regulations from Gen 3 have, have really come out. So, uh, But previously, the, the obstacle for us uh, in our discussions with the manufacturers was predominantly uh, funding-based, how much money they wanted to invest, and um, concerns about not knowing what Gen 3 was going to be, because back then, uh, they didn't know what Gen 3 was going to look like, what engines were going to be. There were still a lot of questions, and they didn't want to commit to anything until they knew what it was. So once you actually sort of build it and they will come, uh, mentality. You've got to show everyone what we have uh, to get people excited about it. It's uh, it's harder to sell a dream than it is to sell something which is a reality. So once uh, Gen 3 is on track, give it a year, and then you know other teams will be in a better position to be able to go and sell off the back of that, and manufacturers will have a better, more confident position whether or not it makes sense for them to do it. In Formula One, controversy at the Japanese Grand Prix over a recovery tractor on the track. It brought back bad memories of Jules Bianchi's ultimately fatal collision with a recovery crane in the similarly waterlogged 2014 race. The incident has sparked a renewed debate, and rightly so, about Formula One safety procedures in low visibility track conditions. As Max Verstappen clinched his second straight world title at Suzuka, Daniel Ricciardo also conceded that he won't have a race drive in Formula One next year. Ricardo is weighing up a reserve driver role, possibly with Mercedes AMG, before a racing return with a top team in 2024. More about the Japanese Grand Prix coming up after this important message. Race Fuels is Australia's leading supplier of racing fuel to national and state level motorsport. And its range of racing fuels includes the BP Supercars E85, which is available to grassroots races. For power and protection over pump fuel, Race Fuels imports the Elf Race 102, as used by Porsche Carrera Cup and the Touring Car Masters. More info on Race Fuels E85 and Elf Race 102 is available at racefuel.com.au. You're listening to Parked Up Plus. And we're on the run to the chequered flag. With a roundup of all the action at Bathurst and Suzuka over the weekend, here's Grant Rowley, thanks to our partner, Bob Jane Teamer. The Repco Bathurst 1000 was another great race, with first lap crashes and a spirited late race dashed to the line, highlighting a brilliant event. Ultimately, 
The fastest car and driver combination won the race, with Supercars Championship leader Shane Van Gisbergen and his teammate Garth Tander claiming a popular win, sending Holden out in its last Bathurst 1000 with a special victory. The win for Van Gisbergen and Tander came with some of its own challenges, though, fighting back from a three-grid-place penalty after a collision with Macaulay Jones in qualifying, plus a five-second penalty in the race for an unsafe release in pit lane. Despite those hurdles, the Red Bull and Pole pair made the least mistakes and used their fast car to great effect. The same could not be said for a number of their rivals, especially in the opening hour, where two safety cars were called for major incidents. The race was held largely in dry conditions, but that wasn't the case for the other three days of on-track action, with rain-making conditions on and off-track very difficult. Super 2 held just one of its two scheduled races, with Sack Best taking the win. And in that race, only four racing laps were actually held. The rest of it was run under safety car. Carrera Cup was arguably worse off. Only one of its three races were classed as an official event after Saturday's race was cancelled, and Sunday's race only saw two laps held. Bob Jane teammates driver Aaron Love won the race and jumped from fifth to second in the title battle, with one round to go on the Gold Coast. Despite missing two rounds due to overseas racing commitments, Love has claimed six of the last seven race wins and sits 74 points behind leader Harry Jones. Love has confirmed that he will contest the Surface Paradise round, but was disappointed that the weather cost him many Mount Panorama points. Fortunately, we got poles, so that's good. And then first race was torrential rain, so managed to come away with a win there with some awesome pace. So been really happy with the team. They've put in a mammoth effort for us all weekend. It's uh, been a little bit unfortunate that race two is cancelled due to heavy rain, which I think was the right decision because the track was just flooded. It was uh, pretty stupid to go out there if we were. So they made the right call on that. And then race three, we uh, started off uh, with, with a good start and got into the lead, but um, unfortunately there was an incident on track and they red flagged it, so I'm sure everybody up and down the paddock's a uh, little bit disappointed that we didn't get the race done there, but uh, overall it's been a good round and really looking forward to going to Gold Coast in a couple of weeks' time. In the Haltex Super Utes, three different winners shared the four races. David Cedars and Craig Woods won the first two races, while Aaron Borg secured races three and four. The wins for Borg extended his title lead with one round to go at the Gold Coast. In the Toyota Gazoo Racing Series, Zach Bates claimed all three race wins, while in the Heritage Revival, Terry Lawler was big winner, taking his Breville-sponsored Ford Falcon XD to two wins. In Japan, the Formula One World Championship for 2022 was put beyond doubt. Max Verstappen won the Suzuka race, ensuring he has enough points to claim his second consecutive world title. In conditions similar to what Bathurst felt earlier in their race weekend, the Japanese Grand Prix was delayed considerably after an early incident for Carlos Sainz, after another giant downpour. Sergio Perez finished second, ahead of Ferrari Charles Leclerc, while Aussie Daniel Ricciardo finished 11th. And in NASCAR, Christopher Bell claimed the win at Charlotte's Roval. Chase Elliott continues to lead the standings. It was a huge week of motorsport, and the racing doesn't stop with MotoGP visiting Phillip Island this weekend. And that's all from home and abroad. I'm Grant Rowley reporting for Parked Up Plus with special thanks to our good friends at Bob Jane Team. Thanks, Grant.
Finally, McLaren boss Zach Brown's visit to the Bathurst 1000 created an awkward encounter with the media. We were invited to an all-in interview with Brown on the proviso that our questions could only relate to WAU, not McLaren. An unreasonable stipulation given that Brown's fame is as the boss of McLaren's Formula One and IndyCar operations. When asked about the broader F1 topic of the cost cap certification, which is due to be announced or at least confirmed, and more information to come late Monday Australian time, well, on that, Brown was happy to comment. But when I tried to pursue the subject, again, in general terms, the conversation was shut down by WAU team principal, Bruce Stewart. Take a listen. I don't know more than anyone else other than the certificates were supposed to be uh, distributed on Wednesday. And they've now been postponed to Monday, which means for some reason they're not ready, which you can, um, based on the speculation, assume that uh, a team or two um, haven't complied. I don't know that to be the case. Cost cap's critically important. We need to make sure it's enforced. And if someone has breached, that the uh, appropriate penalties, uh, not just financial, but specifically sporting and technical, um, are put in place. Because uh, if you bend the rules technically in sporting, uh, you get penalties and, and financial should be the same because if someone has overspent, uh, that gives them a uh, on-track unfair advantage and needs to be dealt with accordingly, firmly and quickly. If, if a serious breach is revealed and speaking, well, Zach's happy, to, Zach's happy to talk about it. Let's subject, the subject being... Yeah. Yeah. If I, if I just ask, you happy? Yeah, sorry. No, let's stay, stay on WA. If I could just ask... Personally, though, it's been a tough couple of months. How have you dealt with it personally? Uh, I'm fine. Um, it, it has been uh, tough, uh, but knew that going into the situation. But I, I think we're on the uh, uh, other side of, uh, of that, and uh, we're in a good place. It was an unsatisfactory restriction on principle, and it was made worse by the fact that Brown was clearly happy to talk about Formula One in general terms. To be muzzled by WAU operatives was out of order. Supercars is reportedly unhappy with the censorship, and we now understand that it's likely teams will receive a directive that, short of personal issues, media calls are open slather. Participants can always refuse to answer questions, but media must be allowed to ask relevant questions, no matter how controversial or uncomfortable a topic may be. Now, while we get that the team wanted to focus on Brown's WAU involvement, it's unreasonable to limit such a high-profile international figure's comments. The nonsense in this case is that Zach Brown was prepared to talk about Formula One generally until shut down by local functionaries. That's it for now. Back this time next week with the latest news and views on what's happening in motorsport. In the meantime, tune in to Parked Up with Grant Rowley for a comprehensive Bathurst 1000 review on Thursday. I'm Mark Fogarty. Thanks for listening. 
You've just listened to another Network R production. 